Good morning and welcome to our Daily Word and Prayer. My name is Tom Short, so glad to have you along with us today as we get into the Word of God and talk about it. I've got a question. What's the difference between the Old Commandment and the New Commandment? More specifically, how could Jesus give us a new commandment when he'd already given it to us? I think we'll have the answer in here in just a moment. So let's jump right into these sayings of Jesus that we've been looking at day by day. And if you're new, a welcome to you, a special welcome. I hope you'll join our community of people who come here every day, many of us live at 8.30 in the morning, on a lot watched later in the day or even a day or two later, or listen on the podcast on the Apple or Spotify, Google, or Google platforms. Anyway, glad you're along with us. Let's get right into our verse today. Yesterday, actually, we saw what Jesus described as the great commandment, and and we'll read it here in Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 34. He says this, He said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and in Mark it adds, and with all your strength. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbors yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. And so Jesus had already been teaching this importance of loving God and loving others. And actually, he was quoting here from the Old Testament. This was not a new teaching, although Jesus put a new emphasis, again, as we saw yesterday, whereas the law stressed what you should not do. Jesus was stressing what you should do. The law says don't murder your neighbor, don't steal from your neighbor, don't sleep with his wife, don't covet what's his, don't bear false witness to him or about him. But Jesus put it all, love him. And if you love him, you're not going to do all those things. As a matter of fact, you're going to do just the opposite. You'll speak truth to him. You'll be kind to him. You'll be generous to him. You'll be forgiving of him. You will be happy with the blessings in his life. You'll be generous and so forth. And likewise with God, if you don't, in the Old Testament, you know, don't have false gods, don't have idols you worship, don't take his name in vain, don't dishonor his Sabbath, uh, honor your parents, don't disobey your parents. And the newer, or the new commandment here, or the new testament, Jesus is stressing what we should do, worship the right God. Uh, worship him as he wants us to worship him, as he tells us to worship him. Honor his day, honor his name, etc. But at the end of his life, during the Last Supper, Jesus said this, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, that you love one another, even as I've loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples. If you have love, for one another. Well, the obvious question is, how's that a new commandment? He'd already taught that we should love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We should love our neighbor as ourself. And now he's saying this is a new commandment. What's new about this commandment? Well, here's, I think there's two things. Number one, he was talking here about loving one another, the brethren in the faith, versus previously he'd been talking about loving your neighbor. In fact, after he had given the great commandment, some, someone would ask, well, who is my neighbor? And that's where he told the story about the Good Samaritan, that the, Samar- the, the, the man was traveling uh, down to Jericho, from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell amongst robbers. They beat him, and people came by, a priest came by, a rabbi came by, 
and then a Samaritan. Now, the Samaritans were not Jews, and they didn't get along with the Jews. They were not part of that community, and yet he was the one who cared for them, and Jesus asked which one proved to be the neighbor, and the answer was the, the Samaritan. He said, go and do likewise. So when Jesus says, love your neighbor, he's talking about everybody, everybody. But when he gives the great commandment, he says that you love one another. He was talking only to his disciples at this time. He was talking to the, the, those who were his followers, what we might consider today to be the church, the people of, of God. And so that's number one, a new commandment. He's saying there's something more, something beyond, something special on how you should treat your fellow believers in Christ. And what is that? You should love them not as you love your neighbor, not, not as you love yourself. That's how you love your neighbor. But rather you should love them as Jesus loved us. And I'd like to suggest that Jesus loved us more than himself. With our neighbor, we love them as we love ourselves. With our brethren, we love them as Jesus loved, the, loved us. Now, that's a pretty tall order, because what did he do? He loved us more than he loved himself. He prioritized us. And I'd like to suggest three ways that Jesus did love his disciples more than he loved just everybody else. Number one, he made them his priority. He made the brethren his priority. Mark chapter 3, verses 13 through 15. He went up on the mountain and summoned those whom he himself wanted, and they came to him. And he appointed 12 that they would be with him, and that he could send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. He chose these 12 that he wanted, and they would be with him. There were times, remember, that people wanted to travel with Jesus, and he wouldn't let them come. I think of one, the, the, the Gerasene demoniac. Jesus healed him. The guy used to hang around in the tombs and run around naked, and Jesus cast the demons out, and the man was clothed in his right mind, sitting at the feet of Jesus, learning. He wanted to follow Jesus. But Jesus said, no, you go back and you tell others. He was not one of the 12. He was not prioritized. We sometimes feel guilty prioritizing one person over another, but I believe we should do that in Scripture. Galatians 6, verse 10, Paul says this, let us do good to all men, but especially to those who are the household of God. What's he saying? I think that, that we prioritize our brothers and sisters in Christ. We prioritize them in our time. We prioritize them in our concern, our care, our prayers. We prioritize them in our finances, our generosity, our charity, things of this nature. And so that's number one. Jesus says, love the brethren as I've loved you. I believe we should prioritize one another. Remember several years back, back in 2010, when there was a housing crisis and people were losing their houses being foreclosed on. And, and I was concerned about this, and I suggested to our elders, it never quite came about, and I don't know that we had anyone lose a house, but I said, we really should have a policy. No one in our church is going to lose their house. No one's going to lose their house. People all around us are losing their house. The unbelievers, they, they don't have the benefits of being 
in the family of God where we care for one another. We love everybody. We don't want to see anyone starve or something, but boy, when it comes to making huge sacrifices to to assure that someone's life is not disrupted, we look out for one another. I believe that's the spirit of what should be in the church. I believe there should be benefit. There should be, uh, if, if you're part of the church community, you, there should be a benefit. And the, what you what your, your due, shall you say, is you give and you serve and you prioritize. And when your time of need comes, then you are made a priority as well. This is what I believe the church community was. In the book of Acts, it says they came and they, they sold their houses. And they came and they brought the food, uh, brought the proceeds to the disciples, and the disciples would distribute that to anyone who had need and, need, and says there was not a needy one among them. They weren't just selling their houses and giving it away to anybody. They were making sure the people of God were taken care of as there were tremendous needs there. That's number one, he prioritized, he prioritized the believers. Number two, he served them. Remember in the Last Supper, the last night of Jesus' life, John 13, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God, got up from supper and laid aside his garments, and taking a towel, he girded himself. Then he poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. This was an act of service. Of course, I I use this verse to show the point, but Jesus was always serving. He was providing. He was caring for them. He was teaching them. He was protecting them. He was training them. He was focused on them, and he served them in the way he serves. Jesus served people by training, by teaching, but here he served by washing their feet, doing the lowliest job, doing what only a servant would do. Jesus did that for his disciples. Would he have washed the feet of unbelievers if they were there? Perhaps. I don't, I'm not saying he wouldn't have, but remember, he was prioritizing. These were the people he was spending time with. These were the priority relationships that he was having. He was discipling the people who were his followers, and he served them, and in, in, he wasn't above them. He didn't have to be treated as, as a king, even though he was a king. He was willing to treat, to take the lowly role and show his love. Friends, this is a real mark of, a Christ, of Christian leadership, I might add. Christian leadership is willing to serve. Christian leadership doesn't demand that we come to be served, but that we serve and that we give ourselves to help others. This is the key to greatness in God's kingdom. This is what Jesus did. This is what we want to do. Finally, of course, the big one here, he laid down his life for them. He says this in John 15, verses 12 and 13, This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one laid down his life for his friends. And of course, Jesus laid down his life for his disciples, and and he died for them. And we ought to be doing the same for one another. When Jesus says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another just even as I have loved you. How do you think Jesus loved his disciples? How do you think he calls us to love one another that's new, different, and greater than the way we love our neighbor? This is the question. And the church, 
the power that the church could have if we were to live this way. Jesus said, all men would know we're disciples of his by our love for one another. This is, should be what marks our churches. I know, unfortunately, sometimes our churches, there's, they're, they're a show, they're an event, but the church is a place of relationship. The church is to be a place of community. The church is to be a place where people know one another, love one another, care for one another. Jesus was told once, your mother and brother and sisters are coming and looking for you. And Jesus said, who is my mother and brother and sisters? But the one who does the will of God, that's my mother and brother and sister. The commitment that would be in a family, Jesus says, this is the commitment that should be in his church. And brothers and sisters, this is where we'll have power. This is where the world will take note. This is where the world will say, I want to be part of that group. I want to be in that. I want to be what what they have. They are unique. They look out for one another. And it's a powerful testimony. Jesus promised, all men will know you're my disciples. Amen? Oh, Father in heaven, we thank you for the new community that you have built called the church. Jesus, I want to thank you that you're building your church, your group of people, your called out group, your tribe, your community, your people, the followers of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And I pray, Father, that those of us who are in your church, that are part of your group, that are part of your followership, that we would love others, we would love our fellow brothers and sisters the way you loved us. So it's a tall order that we'd prioritize one another over others, over over so many things, that we would serve one another, that we would lay down our lives for one another, that we would love one another more and we'd prefer one another in honor. I pray, Father, that you would help us to have this spirit and you'd raise up churches all throughout the land and throughout the world that have this spirit so that when the unbelievers look, they would say, wow, how they love one another. And they would be enticed and desirous to be part of that community, to know the love of God and to show the love of God to others. We pray these things. We bless you today. Help us to live like this this day. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. It's revolutionary, folks. The way God calls us to live is revolutionary. And there is a revolution of love that God wants us to have. I pray you have it in your church. I pray you do. Hey, thanks for being along with me today. I'm so glad you're here. Uh, we, we come here every day. We get in the Word of God every day, live if possible, 8.30 a.m. each day. And then or you can watch later in the day or even the next day. You can watch the last two, three years. My videos are all up day by day, 15 minutes a day. Can you do that? Can you commit to that? Are you... Is your Christian life that important enough to you that you could commit 15 minutes a day to be in the Word and prayer together? I hope you're doing it on your own, but I've discovered most Christians aren't having a meaningful time in the Bible every single day. If you're not, this is your opportunity to do that together. I hope you'll join us. We're here every day. If you're new, subscribe. But the most important thing, set it in your schedule. When are you going to come here? 8.30, lunchtime, dinner time free time, evening, before you go to bed, what's it going to be? Make, set it in your schedule. Otherwise, it's not going to happen. 
Hey, one other announcement. I said it yesterday, but we're doing a series. I'll be teaching a series in Central Ohio this summer on our culture and Christianity and culture and, and, and how things that are happening in our world today, how we should view them from a biblical perspective. If you'd like to be part of those where I give a big overview of what's happening in our world and a Christian development, Christian worldview, then drop me an email, tom at tomthepreacher.com, and I will send you back information on more information on when and where we meet. But it's going to be Thursday night, 7 o'clock, starting this Thursday. If you'd like to join us, drop me an email, and you can be a part of that. God bless you. I love you, and we'll look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Until then, be strong and love one another. Bye-bye.